And welcome listeners. Yeah, you're here again. We uh, are here on our show where we talk about uh, all things to do with uh, the food industry, with uh, your eating out experience, um, how uh, you as the gay community that uh, listen in on the station, and even if you're not gay, if you are listening into the station, it's a great station to listen to with wonderful music and interesting views. And I think one could learn a lot about a very important community in the South African community. And uh, we're going to talk about everything to do with food. My name is uh, Chef Forti Mazzoni. I'm the owner of a few restaurants in, in Johannesburg, Pretoria, and uh, area in the Gauteng area. And uh, we uh, love to talk about everything to do with food, uh, your dining experience, uh, service that you can expect, and uh, also issues that affect us uh, as a community, as a family, in the uh, just general broader community of South Africa. So um, today's show, um, I'm going to start out with this uh, very interesting issue of service and the kind of service one can expect in restaurants. And I think that um, the issue of services uh, really come to the fore now. There's just so much choice. Uh, the amount of restaurants just seems to grow exponentially, even though um, the economy is in the catastrophic state that it is. And I think we must discuss about uh, just general service levels and what one should expect. But uh, let's start the show out with uh, a bit of uh, beautiful music uh, related to food and uh, enjoy this piece and we'll come back to you and we'll discuss service. So one of the key issues, listeners, if you've joined us on today's food show, is uh, service in the restaurant industry. And one of the uh, most important things for me when I go to restaurants, and certainly that I try and apply in my own restaurant, is wine service. And uh, I'd like to discuss the various issues related to wine service. If you have any comments, uh, please get hold of me on 40 at gaysayradio.co.za. And let's discuss them and uh, hopefully bring in guests uh, that can give us informed and independent opinions because the show is about being honest. It's about being straight. It's about being objective about what we see. And uh, to get to the issue of wine service, um, I think that uh, something that's terribly lacking in most South African restaurants is even if you have restaurants which have pretty spectacular menus or they might have nice surroundings, or all the various factors which constitute a fantastic dining experience, but generally speaking, uh, wine lists are extremely poor. So let's look at the various reasons why wine lists are poor. So initially, I think the thing that affects wine list choices the most is that there is an unfortunate, um, just a trend at the moment, where wine lists are sold to various distribution companies Um who perform uh, favors for the restaurateurs. And before you allow your minds to delve into those dreadful things, uh, the favors I'm talking about are large cash payouts to restaurateurs for listing wines, wine listing fees, and then, of course, uh, all the perks. So if they're going to uh, pay for uh, things related to the dining room, uh, things like umbrellas and things like uh, making sure that the entire wine list consists only of wines from their portfolio. And I think us as uh, restaurateurs, um, especially if you are a restaurateur 
of some repute or it's very important that you don't allow yourself to fall into this trap. Um, am I being a hypocrite by saying this because I receive help from various wine distribution companies? I really believe not because I've never attached conditions to what I do. So if somebody wants to give me some money to sponsor umbrellas for my restaurant so on, and ask me to list a wine, I'll certainly do so, but only if I really believe the wine complements my wine list. If somebody wants to print my wine list for me from a, a company, um, I will let them do so, and I'll certainly support their wines, but only if I believe they complement our food or the wines that I enjoy from their portfolio. And I always insist that if they want to print the list, they have to allow other wines to appear on the list as well. And that's, a, with me, a non-negotiable, and I think more restaurateurs should do it. We've got to stand together to insist that uh, the wine companies that make a sort of vast amount of money out of us um, also play ball in uh, performing what their duty is. And their duty towards the wine farms and the liquor products which they distribute, which is, of course, a marketing function. And part of marketing is making sure that your wines and your products are visible, but not at the expense of uh, boring the customer with dreadful, very limited and very obvious wine lists where you have only selection from one wine distributor. And and this is the thing, you pick up these wine lists and you see there are sort of 10, 12 choices of wine and all of them are from the same stable. And isn't that dreadful? I mean, just limited choice is the first thing. Then, of course, there comes the question of how are you informed about the wines? And I think that uh, this is a very important thing. On the wine list, uh, firstly, the most important information that should appear on any serious wine list is where, obviously, what the wine is, the price, but more importantly, where is it from and what vintage of wine are you being served? Why? Because vintage is important. Um, So the year the wine was made determines many things about the wine. So you could have the very same wine from two different years, and you could have, like we've had this year, very, very restrictive drought conditions all over the Cape, and it's affected the quality of the wines enormously. So, or some to the better, actually, because you've, you've had more concentration in some of the grape types and so on. So if you're a little bit of a wine geek, and obviously you can hear I am, um, you'd want to know which uh, vintage of wine you'd be receiving because obviously it affects uh, your perception and your, you know, what you're trying to get out of your meal, I guess. So that would be important. And then, of course, a nice description, not only of the wine, if you want to try wines that you've never tried before, always feel it's useful to get uh, a description that tells you something about the wine and uh, which is also not just prescribed boring ad nauseum bullshit. And uh, and also some selected or suggested wine and food pairing choices. I think this is very important. Um, and now food and wine uh, choices mean that um, if you're in a restaurant today and paying a lot of money for a meal, and let's be honest, it is expensive to eat out today. Uh, despite the fact we stay in South Africa, and generally speaking, dining in South Africa is cheaper than anywhere in the world, um, and this this is really true. I mean, fine dining in this country is cheap. But you do expect that level of service which comes with a sommelier. So what is a sommelier? A sommelier is a wine specialist who uh, serves the restaurant as a specialized wine waiter. 
to advise uh, customers on food and wine choices, uh, to correctly open and dispense the wine and uh, use things uh, that will enhance your wine experience. Uh, not only sharing the knowledge of wines, but also understanding what you're eating and understanding the choice uh, of wine versus what you are eating. So the very important aspect of pairing so that you don't have wine clashing with the food and then also the correct serving of the wine. So what does that constitute? The correct glasses for the wine and the correct choice of wine glass, a lovely thin-rimmed or crystal wine glass always being preferable. The use of decanters is very important. Generally speaking, the wines we serve in South African restaurants tend to be younger by virtue of the fact, obviously, that it costs an enormous amount of money to stock uh, multiple vintages or older vintages of a wine because we as restaurateurs have to buy them, pay for them now, and then potentially only make our money back on those wines in several years' time. So the real realistic thing about that is, generally speaking, wines are younger. That's just a fact of the economy, um, unless you really have wine uh, restaurants that go to some depth uh, of detail in their wine cellar and offer very special old wines. I'm in the very fortunate position I'm able to do so, and there's several restaurants where one does have an, an older wine selection. But even with a younger wine selection, it's perfectly acceptable to serve a younger wine and aerate it in a decanter. And uh, by doing that, oxygenate the wine, give it a little bit of uh, the aging that it would have received through the years in a very rapid time. And also there's, I think, something beautiful in the ceremony of decanting a bottle of wine, tasting the bottle of wine, the sommelier allowing the customer to taste the wine in the correct fashion, or in fact, if the sommelier is of such a standard, in fact, tasting the wine himself to make sure that the customer doesn't receive a corked bottle of wine, which uh, is, of course, a factor where, where one receives wines under cork. Um, one of the things I absolutely love about South African wines at the moment is that more and more premium wine producers are starting to put even their premium wines under screw cap. And uh, a little known fact is that a screw cap is a far better closure for a wine than a, a cork um, in most cases uh, because it uh, prevents the possibility of any cork taint or what they call TCA affecting the quality of the wine. And so often corked wines are not picked up by consumers and they taste a wine which is substandard. It's been robbed of all its fruit. They don't realize the wine is corked. And in fact, they then don't like the wine. They don't enjoy the wine experience. They blame it on the wine where actually the, the fault lies with the cork. Um, fantastic Portuguese cork companies now um, now offer wines that are pre or corks that are pre-screened for TCA that go through a very special uh, preparation process and um, they're especially disinfected for any D, uh, TCA or possibility of any TCA um, being present in the cork and they're individually tested. But this, of course, adds enormously to the cost of the cork. So you'll really only find corks like that in really super premium bottles of wine and uh, which then, uh, you know, one allows for in the overall price of the wine, which is perfectly acceptable. Um, and then, of course, a cork. The wonderful thing about cork, though, is that it allows a certain amount of oxygen into the wine, far more so than screw caps, and uh, which then allow the wine to age and oxidize in a natural and progressive way. 
which gives us the pleasing result of having a wonderful uh, aged bottle of wine where those lovely secondary characteristics come out. Um, we're going to listen to some music about food and wine right now, and we're going to come back and talk about screw caps. Listeners, you're back on the Food and Wine Show, and we're talking about wine service in restaurants, and uh, we've got to talk now about screw caps, and I want to educate you, the listener, about the benefits of drinking wine from screw cap, uh, in as much as it's, there's a beautiful ceremony, I think, attached to wine under cork. Um, I think that uh, there's a magical kind of romantic notion of the extraction of the cork and the, you know, sommeliers love the drama of it. But uh, I think we as the consumers, uh, if we want to drink a lovely young fresh Sauvignon Blanc or uh, something very light and fresh and white or even a nice younger red, um, it's so nice to know that we under screw cap, we generally receive the wine in the fashion in which it left the cellar, which is what the winemaker wants us to taste. And I think certainly for the younger, fresher wine, screw cap definitely has to be the preferred option. I know some of my friends in the industry are going to argue with me, but I'm just talking about the practicality of it. And I know if you, like me, uh, sitting at home uh, with your partner and, uh, you know, <laughs> the whole schlep of getting out the wine opener and uh, trying to find it in the first place because the darn things always disappear. It's just so much easier to just grab a bottle out of the fridge or grab a bottle out of your wine conditioner or even out of your your special little cellar space, just screw the cap off and just pour and glug, and uh, it's just so much easier. But um, the reason why the screw caps are uh, such uh, efficient closures is that, uh, of course, they don't allow bacteria or, or air into the bottle, and uh, so the aging process takes place at a far, far, far more inhibited rate than under cork, um, which for certain fresher wines also holds the carbon dioxide that was present in the wine um, all the way through to when you pour it out into the glass. So if you taste really fresh Sauvignon Blanc often, and there's nothing wrong with this, it's actually correct, you'll notice tiny little bubbles in the wine, and that is a remnant of the CO2 which the winemakers use to cover the surface of the wine to prevent it from coming into contact with the air a method that we call a reductive winemaking technique as opposed to an oxidative winemaking technique where wine is exposed to air deliberately in the attempt to create a process which enhances the natural winemaking process um, that occurs by the wine coming into contact with oxygen. So it's different uh, approach. And the reductive technique where wine is kept under blankets of carbon dioxide often means that when we receive the wines, they're much, much fresher. They have a much higher level, generally speaking, of acidity and those sort of acids that our palates as South Africans crave when we enjoy a fresh uh, young wine. Um, the oxidative technique, of course, leads to the wines, both red and white, uh, developing a slightly yellower color in the whites and a slightly more brick color in the reds. And for many people, and I must admit myself included, we like the effect that the oxidation process has on certain grape varietals. And uh, we enjoy also drinking the older bottles of white and red wine 
Um, I think that uh, we uh, should experiment more as South Africans with drinking older white wines. I think some of the Sauvignon Blancs we make absolutely hit their peak. While some are designed to be drunk very young, but some are really, especially the super sort of super premium uh, white wines are really only designed to be drunk in their prime at you know eight to ten years, and uh, we normally only associate that with red wine, but certainly white wines in this country um, benefit from aging. Certain of them are wonderful, uh, especially I think the wines uh, based on Chenin and the wines that come from the Swartland area. Certainly, which are made in, in generally speaking, in quite an oxidative method, benefit from um, from bottle aging. Um, I have a, a very dear friend who uh, is uh, one of my Facebook nemesises, <laughs> and uh, he will only drink a bottle of white wine if it's been aged at least ten years. He finds the uh, aggressive acid in most white wines to be very you know, unpleasant on his palate, and that's the beauty of wine. You know, each one, different strokes for different folks. And uh, so that was the next aspect then of the wine service was the cork versus screw cap debate. But undoubtedly, in a good restaurant, we that's the kind of advice or a talk one could have with a sommelier and without wanting to sound too bloody boring. But uh, I think a sommelier can give good advice in that regard. Um also the correct pouring in the glass, and then, of course, the correct pouring technique. So once the wine has been decanted or not, but uh, pouring the wine in the correct fashion, not overfilling the glass, you know, a brimming glass of wine might sound attractive for us after a very tough normal day at work where one is almost tempted to swig it directly from the bottle. But uh, no, at restaurants, we want to keep the level of the wine at a very pleasant, uh, uh, not more than a third of the glass is a good practice. And uh, also, especially with white wines, it keeps the wine nicely chilled and at the correct temperature for when you're sipping it. I do want to tell you something, though. Most South Africans drink their white wine way too cold. So, But, of course, it's your choice. If you want to drink your wine ice, ice cold, and, and certainly I'm... I'm that's the way you'll get it. You, the customer, you must get it the way you want it. But um, I think that uh, South African consumers in general, restaurant uh, patrons, should experiment more with trying to drink white wine slightly warmer. And by warm, I don't mean warm at all, but I mean instead of drinking it at 5 degrees centigrade, try it at 10 or 11 or 12 degrees centigrade, and you'll find that a whole new um, sort of spectrum of flavors emerges from the wine and some of them are very pleasant indeed and uh, I think you'll uh, find a whole lot of hidden uh, characteristics which the cold uh, wine will mask and uh, just a very interesting point but uh, which then brings me to the point of the sommelier serving the wine at optimum temperature and I think if you are in a restaurant and you are paying the markup that most restaurants charge on wine which in South Africa is pretty standardized, uh, around 200 to 250% in restaurants and up to 300 to 400% in hotels, then you have a right to expect the wine to be served, not only uh, uh, to be stored in an optimum fashion, so preferably in a wine cellar or a wine conditioner, but also to be served at the correct temperature because nothing is worse than getting a tepidly warm glass of red wine. And this is... 
something that a lot of uh, South African consumers have kind of grown up with. Uh, but South African room temperature is too warm. To drink a wine at 23 or 24, 25 degrees centigrade is, for me, an unpleasant thing. It's tepid. It's, uh, it's of course, exaggerates the worst aspect of South African wine, which tends to be our slightly higher alcohols due to our warm climate. And uh, if you just chill those wines slightly and bring them down to a European cellar temperature of between 15 and 16 degrees centigrade, I think you'll just have so much more enjoyment from the wine. Why? Because you mask the alcohol, which is uh, something which is very aggressive in South African wine, which tends to uh, lead to this um, phenomenon called hot on the palate, where you sip a wine and it almost burns the palate. That phenomenon of the um, raw alcohol showing itself in the pa- uh, palate is exaggerated by high temperatures in wine. And then I think you'll get a lot more elegance, a lot more enjoyment in the wines. And also, um, if you serve the wines at that temperature, I think often you taste what the winemaker wanted you to taste because those are the temperatures he's dealing with when he's blending and preparing the wine for for you. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's an important factor in your enjoyment of the wine and the meal. So I think wine service in general in South African restaurants is, is pretty poor. But I also think we have some restaurants that have truly exceptional wine service. Um, I had the very pleasant experience um, of uh, dining at two restaurants recently which offer exceptional wine service. So the one was uh, Marble restaurant in Johannesburg, which is a fairly controversial restaurant, but I personally love it. Um, I think too many people go to that restaurant and expect a super fine dining experience because they know the name of of David Higgs as the chef and associate him immediately with fine dining. But uh, I think you mustn't forget that Marble is a steakhouse and it's a not it's a fine dining experience in many ways. It's an exquisite dining room. It has beautiful sound system, the most magnificent sound system I've heard in a restaurant. It has a beautiful, beautifully dressed staff. It has it's exquisitely clean. In uh, it has beautiful glassware, uh, stemware, um, and uh, its biggest asset is it has a sommelier called Vickers who. Uh, a long bean pole of a man, but what a wonderful uh, example of someone that really does their job exceptionally well. And his food and wine choices are often inspired. He's one of those sommeliers that chooses wine, not on the basis of price, but on the basis of um, they believe that uh, it'll enhance your pleasure of the meal. And he is really very, very good at his job. And then um, my other recent experience with an excellent sommelier is the wonderful Moses, uh, Moses Magwaza at, uh, at that wonderful restaurant, uh, the, or- at the Orient, uh, called Mosaic, uh, just outside Pretoria. And, uh, Moses is just the most wonderful character. He has the encyclopedic wine knowledge. And of course, he has the benefit of being able to, uh, choose wine from South Africa's most extensive wine cellar. And the wine cellar at Mosaic is just simply astonishing. And uh, he has a depth of vintages to choose from and comes up with the most beautifully inspired wine choices to pair with the really exceptional food of that establishment because the food is truly exceptional. 
And uh, so the food that comes out of that uh, restaurant um, often uh, requires a very delicate pairing because often I think the flavors are very subtle. And um, I think Moses does an excellent job of choosing wines to enhance whatever the chef is trying to do in the kitchen. And I think that is ultimately uh, what a sommelier should be doing. I think mention must also be made of the fact that we really have some of the finest sommeliers in the world. They do very well in international competitions. And here I must make a special mention of a very good friend of mine called Miguel Chan, who is the group sommelier of Tsoho Sun. Um, what an exceptional wine personality he is and what an exceptional choice of wines he makes for the various restaurants within the limits you know, he's offered as a sort of corporate guy because obviously he's still dealing at the end of the day with a hotel group. But I think as a hotel group, uh, just generally speaking, their restaurants offer exceptional wine choices. And Miguel personally trains the sommeliers at the various restaurants and often is present himself. I don't know a guy who works harder than him, just never seems to be off. And I've often had the pleasure of eating at a restaurant with Miguel uh, doing the wine choices and uh, have been to several wine dinners where Miguel has uh, done a certain and worked with the executive chef to create a wine and food pairing experience. And I think those are very special indeed. So sommelier, I think, is a very important part of the meal. I think wine is underestimated as an important part of the experience. I've always said that wine is 50% of the dining experience, 50% the food and 50% the wine as the dining experience component of your restaurant. So your restaurant experience should always be composed of food and wine, of service, service exceptional and uh, exceptionally important part of that experience. Then, of course, your ambiance. And by ambiance, we discuss things like the cleanliness, uh, the state of the loose, the toilets, um, the room, the beauty of the room. Do you feel comfortable? Um, is it clean? Cleanliness, such an important factor. And I think restaurants with open kitchens, and this is a growing trend in South Africa where um, the kitchens are show kitchens and give customers confidence because they look into their sparkling clean kitchens and they know that the food that comes out there um, has been dealt with with care and diligence and with attention to their food safety, which is something that restaurants must pay more attention to. And then, of course, the, the X factor. What brings that all together? The fourth leg of the thing is the X factor. What is the X factor? The X factor is where you deal with personalities, where you deal with people that treat you with loving care and attention, but without being too forward. And so it's a very difficult thing to define. It's, uh, you define it in this way. When you've left the restaurant, you say, wow, that was really an experience. And you can't really explain why. It's the way everything is pulled together, the X factor. And so that, that's a very important factor. And uh, so, in other words, do the things of uh, service, food and wine, and ambience, how is it pulled together? Do they gel with each other? Is there a personality that makes it all happen? And I think the X factor is very, very important. So talking about the X factor, let's go to some music and again, with our food and wine theme, and enjoy. So, back with the food and wine show. Listen, as we um, 
it's funny, you know, now listening to this music, I was just thinking to myself how important also is the choice of music in restaurants. Um, the uh, Also the level that the music is played at because uh, there's nothing worse than sitting in a restaurant and not being able to talk to your partner or your business associates. You know, you go to restaurants for business meetings and drowned out by this dreadful music. It's such a... Uh, disruptive thing uh, you know when you're going out to a restaurant you're not going out to a nightclub I have no problem uh, going out to a nightclub and uh, listening to loud music and I love music or going to a jazz club and listening to live jazz I certainly expect it to be a little bit louder but certainly I don't want to be drowned out by music at a restaurant and also the, the choice of the music is it appropriate to the theme of the restaurant so are you getting a if you have a smart restaurant, uh, some nice soft jazz in the background or classical, whatever is appropriate and at the correct level, isn't that important? And then uh, service. Uh, so we've dealt with wine service, but now also aspects of the general service. You know, your welcome at the door is very, very important always. Uh, do you feel welcome at the door or do you feel intimidated or do you feel patronized? Because there's nothing worse than coming to a restaurant and where you feel like they almost feel like they're doing you the favor to sit you at the table. Or if you request uh, a special table and you don't get it and you've requested it well in advance, or if you're asked to change your table and they just refuse you for no good reason, uh, this kind of like arrogant attitude towards customers is something which I absolutely detest because customers should be made to feel ultra-welcome. That's why we are in the hospitality business. And hospitality, what an important word that is. And too many South African restaurateurs have forgotten what it means. Hospitality means making the customer feel ultra-welcome. It's as simple as that. You are not doing them the favor. They are doing you the favor of coming to your restaurant paying for your living, your rent, your staff, your families of all your staff, and most importantly, keeping bread on your table. And uh, I think we must respect that. And uh, in that, that is the respect we must show our customers. So the welcome, very important. Little things. Are your chairs pulled out for you? Are your menus given to you in the right way? Have you received the specials of the day from whoever has been, you know, Deigned to give them. Uh, I think something that's underestimated in South African restaurants is also a little bit of contact with the chef. It's always so lovely if the chef comes out onto the floor and has a little discussion with you about the menu, about the food, or just at some point in the meal comes out to greet you and sees uh, that uh, you've enjoyed your meal. I think that kind of contact is is lovely and special and uh, can add very much to the experience. And then, of course, the waiters. Um, so one of my absolute pet hates about South African restaurants is these waiters who pester you throughout the meal, nonstop, constantly refilling your water glass in an attempt to sell more, uh, constantly badgering you to drink more wine and so on. So one has to find this ideal balance between waiters, which are present and omnipresent when you need them, but when you don't need them, they should just about be invisible. So the point is um, they have to watch you, but they mustn't detract from your meal. And uh, I think a lot of South African customers expect because 
they are so incorrectly served normally to be badgered throughout the meal. So I've come to think that this constitutes good service. What constitutes good service, according to, and I believe, the European and especially the Asian model, and, and I think the service at Japanese and uh, restaurants is exceptional, is that the service is discreet. So the servers are there when it's essential for you to be served, but uh, when you don't feel like uh, being badgered or bothered or interrupted during the meal, the uh, waiters maintain a respectable distance. And I think this is so important. And part of that also comes to the fact of the European fashion of um, only clearing the table when everybody has finished. So why does one do this? It's There's a very simple and logical explanation. You only clear the table once everyone has finished because otherwise you get one person at the table that feels under enormous pressure to finish their food. Not everyone eats at the same tempo. So unless your plate is really bothering you or you request it to be taken away, my waiters and most good waiters should be under strict instructions not to clear the table until everyone has finished. And, uh, you know, I've had clients complain that the fact their plates weren't taken away the moment they're finished. And, you know, that doesn't constitute poor service. That constitutes excellent service. It's correct service. That being said, if for any reason your plate is bothering you on that and you ask your plate to be taken away and then it's not taken away, obviously that would constitute poor service. But certainly it's correct manners, it's correct etiquette to wait until the entire table is finished. This is, there's nothing incorrect in that. And then my partner has made me very aware of the fact that most South African restaurants, and I must say I'm guilty of this, or until very lately I'm very guilty of this, is that I think waiters should make themselves aware of customers who are left-handed. And uh, left-handed customers obviously eat with their knives and forks in reverse order. So when one clears the, the cutlery or lays the cutlery for the next course, one should always be or try to be aware of left-handed customers, reverse the cutlery from left to right so that they're made to feel comfortable and don't have to cross their hands every time they need to grab their cutlery. And uh, this is a small little touch, but something that you find in the really finest restaurants. And I think it's something to watch out for. Um, also, the fact that uh, the table, uh, when one clears the table, that the table is properly cleared. Um, bread service, for me, is an absolute must. So if one is going out and spending the vast amounts of money that one spends at good restaurants, I think one has a right to expect a lovely bread service. And uh, I mean, restaurants that offer amazingly good bread service for me, um, and there are quite a few that I go to. So for example, um, a restaurant like Marble makes the most delicious bread in the wood oven. It is so delicious that I will actually go there, uh, not only for the food next, but I go there specifically because I think the bread is so exceptional. And uh, I hear people say the same about my restaurant. You know, we go, go to a great deal of trouble to break uh, fresh bread every single day, a very exceptional type of unique bread to us. And uh, I certainly know that when I go to Mosaic, I, I'm offered a whole choice of breads and a whole choice of butters. And it certainly adds enormously to the experience. And uh, bread service is such a lovely thing uh, at restaurants and just to keep your hands busy while the food arrives and, and just to 
open up the appetite, prepare the appetite uh, for food. And so at smart restaurants, Sydney, some of them will serve you a little amuse-bouche, uh, a little a small plate of food to amuse you um, or open up the appetite before the food arrives. But obviously this is not uh, uh, done in anything except for the very sort of finest of fine dining restaurants, but certainly a bread plate. Wow, that goes such a long way just to taking the edge of the hunger and enhancing the experience. And talking of enhancing the experience, um, a very important factor related to both service and ambience of the restaurant are the bathrooms. And, uh, you know, the moment I walk into a restaurant bathroom and find a dirty bathroom, it immediately tells me what the level of the hygiene in the kitchen is. Because if you're not taking care of your bathrooms, you're not taking care of your kitchens. So beware, listeners, of restaurants with dirty bathrooms because they're probably doing the same thing in the kitchen. And so I think a bathroom is a very important thing. It should be comfortable. It should be clean. And I think that if care is taken in the appearance of the bathrooms and uh, and uh, just the, the ambience and feel of the bathroom, then you know that the restaurateur you're dealing with is also giving the same requisite amount of care in the kitchen and to your overall experience. And then little things, little things, listeners. It's like there's nothing worse than getting that dreadful single ply, very rough, what I call the Clint Eastwood toilet paper. Rough, tough, and doesn't take shit from anybody. That dreadful, dreadful toilet paper, which a lot of the places, so you go into the smart restaurant and you get this El Cheapo dreadful toilet paper. Guys, just spend a few more rand and buy the nice soft double or triple ply, baby soft, so that we can feel a little bit spoilt even when we're wiping our bums. It's part of the restaurant experience. And so it's all these little things that constitute the X factor. And, uh, yeah, I hope I've given you a bit of food for thought. It's really been lacquer being on the, sh- on the radio today. I love my slot every week on Gay Say Radio. My name's Fordy Mazzoni. Um, I'm a restaurateur. I love food. I love wine. And I hope that uh, after you've listened to a few of my shows, I'm going to engender some of the same in you. It's been a pleasure being with you and uh, enjoy the music that's going to play you out of this show. Cheers till next week.